0: It's time for our Sinners and Saints multiple choice quiz. Whose speech is more meaningful and controlled and helpful and edifying? Is it A, the teenage girl on her cell phone with her girlfriend? Is it B, the telemarketer who is persistently calling you at 6 o'clock when you sit down for dinner? Is it C, the politician on CNN or Fox News defending their latest failure? Or is it D, the typical Christian in the church parking lot after church on Sunday? Well, sad to say that you can send the teenage girl to your room and suspend her cell phone privileges. You can hang up on the telemarketer. You can turn off the politician on CNN or Fox News. But we are all stuck, aren't we, with Christians who either talk too much or who don't care about anybody else or who whose speech never seems to fit the occasion or they gossip or they are completely uneducated about everything they say. We're all stuck with this problem in the church, and we're going to address... Christian
1: speech on sinners and saints. In an age of moral bankruptcy, political sleaze, theological confusion, and aimless religion in a mindless church, we're addressing the need for a Bible-based, intellectually rigorous 21st century Christian faith. This is Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Sinners and Saints. I'm Adam Kalustian of the Ontario United Reformed Church, here with Moses Jambazian of the Pasadena URC, and John Sautel of All Saints Reformed Church in Walnut, California. We're glad that you're with us, and we are going to talk to you about talking. The problem of Christian speech, and we've seen it over and over again. You know what it's like to walk out of church on Sunday morning and try and avoid eye contact with that certain someone who you know is just not socially competent. They'll talk too much, they'll only care about themselves, and we've got to face this issue.
2: Yeah, I think one of the first things that we should say about this is that we can understand that there are people like this in the church, and for a number of reasons, they have this particular problem. And part of it is because they just don't have any friends, they don't have um, a very developed social network, and they may not have Uh, Even in their own experience, a lot of people who've been around them throughout their life, um, helping them to mature and grow and interact with them and communicate with them. So they come to church and they say, well, there's a place where people actually love me. Kind of the thing, you know, the old... Uh, TV song, a place where everybody knows your name. Well, at least at church, I'll find somebody who cares. I've never had that before, and so maybe in just defense of those of that kind of a situation, there are people who are genuinely needy of good fellowship and social
0: interaction. And yet, the Scripture is clear that incessant talking is not a good thing. I mean, a couple of places in the Proverbs, Proverbs thirteen three. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destructions. This is talking about people who talk too much. Proverbs 18.2 A fool has no delight in understanding, but rather only in expressing his own heart. So these are babblers, people that just talk and talk and talk and talk, and they don't think about what they're saying. They just express whatever comes through their mind and their heart, and that's a problem.
2: Well, to put it in contemporary terms, we call that stream of consciousness talking. It's as if their mind is a video player, and they just take in absolutely everything around them, all the sights, sounds, shapes, colors, whatever it is. They process this, and instead of charting it, tucking it away in their mind, maybe uh, storing it for uh, future reference, it immediately comes out. It's as if their mind is uh,
0: connected to their tongue, and they they just begin to blurt out and talk. So one of the problems is talking too much. Another problem would be speaking and not really caring for others and recognizing how your speech affects the other person in the conversation.
1: It really is important that if you're going to have a conversation that you actually are interested in the other person. You want to know who that person is and what his concerns are. And it's not right for you to basically dominate the conversation to the point that you intimidate others from speaking. And Sometimes you'll do this and not even realize it. So, of course, it's good to be self-conscious because we are called to sanctification in our lives, in all parts of our lives. And it's not adequate to say, well, you know what, I'm following the Ten Commandments and then be so noxious to everyone around you that no one wants to be around you. That's obviously not a sanctified life because Christ was one who was winsome. Everyone would delight in his speech. Even those who were being condemned would come before him because they knew that he understood them and would get a hearing. And it's very unlikely that you understand anyone when all you do is talk about whatever interests you or about yourself and never care for the other person's speech, the other person's views on anything. Okay, so you're going to say, well, this
2: seems really strange that we would connect the way we use our mouths in terms of talking and the number of words that come out and verbosity to sanctification. But, you know... Scripture actually does that. Paul, in addressing the Ephesian Christians, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So there's a number of things here. But the the very first thing I want to point out here is Paul is giving concrete instructions to Christians about how to live, you know, verses prior to that. He talks about not stealing and and various other applications, anger and things. And and that subsequent to this, you have a number of remarks. This is all about sanctification. How do I live a life that's pleasing to the Lord now that I'm redeemed? And Paul includes how you use your tongue, and not just whether you're using
0: uh, dirty words, but maybe you're using too many words or words that are just useless. Yeah, you have to see the central role of speech in God's world and how it affects other creatures. I mean, our words are a great opportunity, or to use our words, for the edification of others is a great opportunity for us. I'm thinking of Proverbs 12:25. It says, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. I mean, think about that. All the people that struggle with anxiety and stress, we call it today, you know, and we even call it technically depression today, people struggle with that. Good words to them makes the heart glad. To use your speech to see that it is your place among the church family to build others up, not to just say whatever comes to your mind. Right, it's but let's important. just think about that. In order to apply that particular idea,
2: there's a lot that goes into it. I, you don't. We shouldn't just think of this verse and say, oh, all of a sudden in a moment just the right word popped in and I spoke it. Sure, that may happen, but... In order to be one who is consistently able to offer an encouraging word to somebody's soul who is weary, you have to be observant. You have to observe that particular individual. You have to observe life situations, its connections, circumstances, the way things work. You have
0: to build a a legitimate relationship with people. You don't become everybody's counselor all of a sudden. And and the Apostle James
1: even says you have to be quick (laughs) to hear and slow to speak. And so here you have this principle being given as part of the growth and sanctification of the Christian is you have to be a person who can actually listen to what is going on and then intelligently process it before you actually speak on that subject or anything yeah, else. Yeah, you don't, you
0: don't want to be the one who people actually hate when you're coming because you've figured out all the wise words to speak to them and you're going to tell them, they're going to tell you what you really need to hear. I mean, you've got to be careful that that you're one whose words are actually valued. Yeah, almost as bad
2: as that is the one everybody labels as the great wise one who's the great fount of all wisdom, the the wise old owl, is the person who uh, just says whatever immediately comes to mind and they don't stop talking either. I mean, nobody wants to be around that kind of person. They are talking about nothing. They're just talking to hear their teeth rattle and they have nothing profitable to say to anybody that builds anybody up. That's also oppressive.
1: If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle or control his tongue, he deceives his own heart. That man's religion is worthless. So, Scripture is warning us, don't take this lightly. You can't just go babbling about anything. And again, it's not simply that you aren't supposed to speak blasphemy. It's not that you aren't supposed to speak words that are profane. Those things are certainly prohibited. But beyond that, all your speech is to be controlled and focused and uplifting to the hearer. Now we have a hard time with that in our culture today because
2: we live in the chatter culture. You stop and think about it. Everywhere you go, people are talking. You drive in your car. You turn on the radio. There's talk radio. There's any a uh, number of guys who will set them up as some sort of demagogue, some great talk show host who can just talk and talk and talk for hours on end. Then you have people driving along their, in their cars with cell phones jammed up their ears. You sit next to people during in restaurants sitting down to dinner, and they gotta, they've got so important they've got to answer 90 phone calls in the midst of just eating a simple dinner. They go home, they turn the TV on, all they hear is talk, 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 talk. It, everywhere they turn, there are words
0: and chatter. Well, the, and the real damning thing about it, I think, John, is that people speak about things which they are uneducated. This is a real problem. I mean, you got everybody that thinks they're an expert on everything, and it's usually because of the soundbite culture you're talking about. They turn on whatever particular news channel they think reflects their… Political philosophy, they hear a few sound bites, and now they have become experts in whatever particular issue it is, and they will be able to argue and defend and promote whatever view they think completely consistently when they really know little or anything about it and The scripture talks about that kind of ignorant speech, and it forbids it proverbs twenty nine twenty do you see a man that's hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for this guy and proverbs fifteen twenty eight the heart of the righteous studies how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil, meaning wicked person doesn't study what they're talking about. They and the maybe studying, hear a few things and they just talk the, about it and talk about the it. The
1: studying is really important because you have God himself telling us that we are to meditate upon his law. We are to concentrate and think about what he has said. And that doesn't mean simply memorizing it so you can spout it back out again. It means actually understanding how does this apply to me? How does it apply to the church? How does it apply to life so that you can intelligently utilize the word of God? And that means before you tell others what to do, you had better understand what is God's way of doing it before you start telling others, here's what you ought to be doing. Well,
0: and I guess, I mean, Moses, when you say that, it makes me think that you're thinking about Maybe teaching in the church or instruction and talk about the scripture, but and but we're also applying this to every area of life. I mean, we we are to be truth speakers. We're to understand truth in all realms of life, and we should not be quick to speak about things which we really don't know. And and, and sometimes you may have the right answer, you may have the knowledge,
2: and sometimes it's just flat profitable not to say so. Sometimes you withhold knowledge from people because they will learn more by experience going through the struggle or the trial or searching for the answer themselves so you don't just immediately hand it out to somebody. There's, so there's a lot of reasons why even when you know the right answer, you have something good to say,
1: you probably just shouldn't say it. There is a right time and a right place and when people are ready to hear the words that you have studied and meditated upon have great value to them. Otherwise, it's throwing pearls before swine. It's a gold nose in the pig's snout, the gold ring in the pig's snout. It doesn't do any good. You're throwing garbage. Essentially, for them, it's garbage. They're not ready to hear. So be very judicious and consider, should I speak? Is what I'm going to say of value? Am I going to really be of help, or am I doing this because it's self-satisfying? Right, the root, the root problem or the root sin... And and this evil
0: speech or uneducated speech, hasty speech, talking too much is the fruit of it. The root's in his arrogance. Yeah. I mean, it's thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. That, I mean, thank God that he put me in this situation that I'm going to be able to help everybody in their problems and speak the truth in a way that nobody else has been able to do Yeah, before. I was
2: going to say idolatry. You know, if you go back to the ancient world, you look at and you'll find the uh, basic little – uh, casts and shape forms of Whatever idol, what they considered God looked like, then if you did it today I think what you'd have to do is make it a big tongue Or a microphone Because people just talk and yap endlessly It's like the one thing that that Everybody feels like they have an entitlement to Just like breathing or something And that's talking, talking incessantly And uh,
1: it really boils down to idolatry. You're worshiping yourself, your mouth, and your ideas. And I think we need to take seriously, again, the thought that this does relate to our sanctification. God identifies himself as different from the idols because he is the God who speaks, and we are to have the mind of God. Does God blather on uselessly about dumb things, or does God speak words of edification and words necessary for his glory? If that is what God does, then certainly we must be the ones who reflect this as his people. Well, now I can say see somebody asking you guys a question say, all right,
0: you talk about, like, blabbing on. Does that mean that every time we speak that it has to be carefully crafted and that there is, say, no good time to maybe vent with our friends, our spouse— People that we know. I mean, what what are we what are we getting at here? No,
2: I I, and that brings us back to where we even started with some of the discussion uh, with you know people standing in the parking lot for like two hours after church just talking, and you know what we need to be doing is more relating. Instead of just standing in the middle of nowhere, just yapping along about whatever comes to mind, what, is, what we ought to be doing when it comes down to the issue of speech and how it relates to our sanctification and brotherly love is learning to getting to know people. And you don't learn uh, about people and get to know them in these really impersonal, you know, awkward places. You have is, them over your house. You sit it, down with them over
0: dinner. You is talk it always wrong, John, to be standing in the church parking lot two hours after church talking to people?
2: Yes, always. <laughs> it's a waste of time. You're not really knowing them. It's well, a, yeah, I, I don't know, know if I'd say that. I'm kidding, but it's tongue-in-cheek, yeah. but come on. I mean, really, if you want to get to know somebody, let's think about the most profitable places to do it. It's certainly not in a parking lot in the middle of nowhere in most cases.
1: Most uh, generally, it's you know, over dinner or something. Yeah, a fishing trip, over a beer, something yeah. where it's a chance to actually converse and then have long pauses of silence because you have a chance to now digest the words that you've heard. That's the thing. If it's just where everybody constantly is speaking back and forth, you're not even thinking about what the other one said. You're trying to figure out what your next line is going to be. But
0: Yeah, it sometimes but, seems like it's a competition. Who can talk the fastest, make the next point? You're not really listening. You're, you're crafting what you're your third point will be down the way, and it's just you know it's like it's clanging symbols. People want to hear themselves talk.
2: Yeah, and instead, I think you know we've been through a number of proverbs and various other passages of Scripture, but you know th- there I throw out another one that that sort of would direct us in the way that we ought to go with how we use our tongue and how we relate with other people. I don't have the exact uh, reference in the proverbs with this, but it says counsel is like deep waters in the heart of man, and the man of understanding knows how to draw it out. And the metaphor there is of uh, somebody you know, dipping a bucket deep, deep down into a well and drawing out the water you know, to have something to drink. In this case, the idea here is that sometimes people have a lot to say. They have a lot of things going on in their hearts and their minds, and they just don't quite understand how to piece things together. And what somebody can do, who's an observer, who's got some wisdom, who has some life experience— Uh, this is just an example of how you may use your tongue with somebody in a profitable way, is is sit down with them in a place where you're you're free from normal distractions and be able to say something that is fitting that would help unlock for that person some of the thoughts they're struggling with.
1: This is not to say that there isn't the time for friends to sit around and joke and just try to make themselves forget stuff and just have fun. This is not what we're condemning here. What we're saying, though, is that since all aspects of our lives have to be lived in light of the revealed will of God— Consider what you are doing, including when you stand around and talk to others. Think about whether or not what you are doing is actually fit and proper for the occasion. Or is it that you simply are just desperate for everyone to know everything you've ever thought because you feel that your wisdom so supersedes that of everyone else that they would benefit simply by shutting their mouths and listening to you? Speech is very
0: complex. You know, the motivations for speech, the situations in which we... We'll be speaking to each other, in the context of our various relationships are are very detailed. So, obviously, you're going to have to take these different principles on balance and apply them. But the point is, we all ought to be thinking about our speech. We ought to be self-aware and conform our speech to that which is glorifying to God and edifying to our neighbor. We've got to guard ourselves against speech that seeks only vain self-interest and expresses our pride.
1: Also, do we take seriously where we are warned in Scripture that every idle word we've spoken will be used in the day of judgment to condemn? Is that something that God idly spoke? No. So take seriously that you don't want to just be blabbering about absolutely anything. Thanks for joining us today on Sinners and Saints, and
0: we look forward to seeing you next time.
1: Join us next week as we tackle more topics with the truth of God's Word on Sinners and Saints, Theology
0: with an Edge.